Hello, and welcome back to Finding Faith with your host, Ian Alexander Tash. Today, we're going to be looking at the Center for Spiritual Living. We're going to be interviewing Reverend Gregory Toole. As I got off the bus and started walking, I began my journey in search of the Center for Spiritual Living here in Bakersfield, California. Until I had started this project, I had never even heard of the group in question. But when I came across them in my research of spiritual groups here in Bakersfield, I admit piqued my curiosity about what exactly this group might be. I'd reached out to Reverend Gregory Tool for an interview, and after some back and forth of getting to know each other via email, he ultimately agreed to an interview. And yet, I was lost. Completely lost. Could not find where the place was. Even with Google Maps, it was was a little confusing about where I was headed in these streets. And again, I knew downtown Bakersfield. I was getting a little flustered when all of a sudden I heard a woman call out, Are you Ian? I turn and there it is, the Center for Spiritual Living right there on the corner. A woman informed me that Reverend Toole would be ready to see me shortly and she led me inside. She went up to let him know that I was there and encouraged me to take a look around the building. Being inside of this building, I got a great sense of history. It almost felt like I was at the Kern County Museum looking through the Pioneer Village and I soon found out why. The building itself was a historical landmark. This was the Curran House. And I even found a plaque from the Bakersfield Historical Preservation Commission. It was on the Register of Historic Places approved by the Bakersfield City Council itself. I had, again, never heard of this before. But right next to this plaque, framed in a black and gold frame, was a large passage which reads thusly, What we believe. We believe in God, the living spirit, almighty, one, indestructible, absolute, and self-existent cause. This one manifests itself in and through all creation but is not absorbed by its creation. The manifest universe is the body of God. It is the logical and necessary outcome of the infinite self-knowingness of God. We believe in the incarnation of the spirit in everyone and that all people are incarnations of the one spirit. We believe in the eternality, the immortality, and the continuity of the individual soul forever and ever expanding. We believe that heaven is within us and that we experience it to the degree that we become conscious of. We believe the ultimate goal of life to be a complete and emancipation from all discord of every nature, and that this goal is sure to be attained by all. We believe in the unity of all life, and that the highest God and the innermost God is one God. We believe that God is personal. We believe that God is personal to all who feel this indwelling presence. We believe in the direct revelation of truth through the intuitive and spiritual nature of the individual, and that any person may become a revealer of truth who lives in close contact with the indwelling God. We believe that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind which is the law of God, and that we are surrounded by this creative mind which receives the direct impress of our thought and acts upon it. We believe in the healing of the sick through the power of this mind. We believe in the control of conditions through the power of this mind. We believe in the internal goodness, the eternal loving kindness, and the internal givingness of light to all. We believe in our own soul, our own spirit, and our own destiny, for we understand that the life of all is God. Ernest Holmes, founder. Even more intrigued as I waited, I went ahead and went into the bookstore that was in the other room. I found a quite a large selection. Not only was there a library that was free to take from, but many books were on sale. 
Wars, particularly the works of Ernest Holmes, like The Voice Celestial and Live Again, but also Bibles and dictionaries, as well as books on Emerson and New Thought, poetry even. I found a couple copies of a book called Dare to be Great and Ask and It is Given. As I was perusing, I heard someone come down the stairs and came face to face with Reverend Gregory Toole himself. We greeted each other and he gave me a tour of the home before taking me downstairs to the chapel area. After a short conversation and of course some technical setup on my part, we commenced our interview. This interview. I hope you enjoy. Well, thank you again for agreeing to meet with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Ian. Good to meet you. Good to meet you as well. Could you please introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little bit about who you are? Yes, I'm Reverend Gregory Chul, and I am the senior minister here at Center for Spiritual Living Bakersfield, and I also serve in Antelope Valley. I'm the senior minister for Center for Spiritual Living in Lancaster, California. So on Sundays, I do a service here at 930 in the morning and then spend 30 minutes with the congregation after, get in the car, drive to Lancaster and do a service there at 1 p.m. Oh my, okay, wow. So Sundays are busy and I've been in this teaching called Science of Mind, which is our philosophy at Centers for Spiritual Living for nearly 30 years now, hard to believe, but nearly 30 years and had some history with this community. I was living in Colorado and they were without a minister five years ago and I was their interim minister for, for come back and forth every, every twice a month and work with them. And then we went our merry way. They got their next minister. I was on to helping other communities in transition. And then things just sort of conspired to bring me here to Bakersfield. And it's just so happened all the synchronicity that the minister who was here resigned and I was wanting to be back in California and also had some particular reasons to want to be back in Bakersfield. And so for the last three and a half years, I have been the senior minister here. I see a lot of people are typically from here that I interview. So it's always interesting hearing the story of how they sort of get brought back here. Uh, it's always very interesting. But you mentioned that the philosophy that you teach is called science of mind. Did I get that? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to ask more about that because I think that for anyone in Bakersfield who may hear the name Center for Spiritual Living or see the sign, they might not quite understand what it is that happens here. It's like, yes. you, you see, you know, Wesley United Methodist, and they go, oh, it's a Methodist church. They yes. see Westminster Presbyterian, they go, oh, it's a Presbyterian church. Zen Fellowship, like, I think Zen is Buddhism. That sounds <laughs> about right. Like, maybe they know some things about it. Maybe they can know what they're getting into. But for the science of mind idea, a lot of people make so, I don't know if they quite understand what that is. Would you yes. be willing to sort of give a explanation as to what that entails? Oh, absolutely. And it's very interesting. We've been around as an organization with a couple different evolutions of the name over time, but for about a, almost 100 years, going go wow. on 100 years, and here in Bakersfield has been here next year, will make 75 years. Oh, wow. And from the early days of our organization, there was this idea that we wouldn't proselytize, you know, that the people who needed us would find us. And that approach has haunted us for the rest of our history because we've become the best kept secret, which we're uh, doing our best now to not be the best kept secret. But Science of Mind was founded by a man named Ernest Holmes back, depending on when you did, he wrote his original book in 1926 called The Science of Mind. And then the one we use today was the one that was updated in 1938. And Ernest Holmes was 
someone who was just really curious. He grew up really curious about religion and spirituality and philosophy and science. And he was nicknamed the eternal question mark when he was a kid because he just like constantly was asking questions. And he really wanted to discover like what were some universal principles? What were some universal truths? Like he wasn't interested in like one particular religion. He wanted to know like when you put all, like what are all these religions and is there some core set of truths that are there. So that was his quest. And he was very clear that the science of mind was not a new revelation. It was a synthesis of what had been taught through ancient wisdom from various scripture, from various spiritual philosophies. He was trying to really just get at that. And so that's really his gift to the world was to distill what would be some universal principles that come out of spirituality and religion. And so he never wanted to create a church. He just wanted to have something like that, that people, wherever they were in their religion, they could be better in their religion because they could understand, like beyond all the philosophy and dogma and whatever, they could understand what were some principles, you know, some spiritual principles. And so he wrote this book and then he wrote like countless other books. And eventually he relented because the people around him said like, this is our church, like this teaching, this philosophy, this approach, like this is our religion. This is our church. We want a church. We don't want it just because Ernest Holmes was content just to go give lectures and he would attract thousands of people. The organization actually started in Los Angeles. 31 is approximately the date of like the earliest institute of religious science, as they used to call it back then. So yeah, he relented and then the rest is history. It became a church, and then used to be called Church of Religious Science. And then in the early 2000s, we realized that people confused us a lot when we say like Church of Religious Science. We say, oh, is that Scientology? We say, no. Is that Christian Science? No. And also we realized that it didn't really reflect very well who we are and what we do, right? And so the name Center for Spiritual Living came about and said, that is who we are. That's what we do. We're a place, we're an umbrella for people to explore their spiritual journey in this safe space where you don't have to adopt some new beliefs, although we have some principles and some ideas for you to try out. What type of ideas might someone discover upon visiting on a Sunday morning? Well, the first premise is oneness, you know, similar to like a Buddhist idea, right? That everything is connected, everything is one, and this idea that God, spirit, the divine is both, you know, imminent as well as transcendent, right? We would say that we are divine expressions of the one God and that all really are divine expressions of the one. And so we see each person as whole, perfect, and complete. So we're kind of like a flip-flop a little bit of the idea that you're born a sinner and we'll say you're born whole, perfect, and complete. And really, we just need to uncover all that would layer over that divine perfection that you are. And so that would be our approach. We take a lot from really Eastern religion and Christianity and various different religions, but specifically, Ernest Holmes had a fondness for the teachings of Jesus. So he wrote a lot about metaphysical interpretation of Jesus' teachings. And so there's the, the one phrase that it is done unto you as you believe would be one of the core 
teachings of the science of mind, right? That we create our own experience. We create our own reality. And really like a science of prayer. Ernest Holmes saw prayer is very scientific, that there's a way to pray and that it can be demonstrated in our lives that we pray properly, right? And that essentially was to align our vibration, our thinking, our way of being with what we want to experience. And and therefore, we would say it's not like a beseeching prayer, like, God, please give me this. It was more a prayer acceptance and claiming what it is that we would like to have in our lives. And it, it based on the idea that everything is already given to you, nothing is being withheld. And therefore, yours is to get out of the way and be able to accept more in your life as opposed to that you have to beg to please have something. It's like, well, no, it's already given. The answer is already yes. Now, how much of life can you accept? How much can you embrace? How much can you embody to call that forward into your experience? That is interesting. I think a lot of people in Kern County are very familiar with the teachings of Jesus. And so having sort of something explained to them in a somewhat familiar, but also like possibly a very new way, a new interpretation. But let's say that someone that's listening to this decides that they're interested in checking out the Center for Spiritual Living and wanting to be more involved. What would they expect when they come here? What happens here? Ah, well, the first thing before like what happens, the first thing they probably would experience here is they would experience so much love here. That's like, (laughs) that's not just here in Bakersfield, but like if you go to a Center for Spiritual Living anywhere, we're kind of known as the place where you just feel so much acceptance and so much love, you know, and we embrace people of all backgrounds, all sexual orientations. So the first thing people experience is just like so much love and acceptance, which includes my family back east. I grew up in Philadelphia. And when they first heard it, the name of the spiritual teaching and organization sounded weird to them. So they were like, oh boy, what is this? But they came to a service and they were like, wow, I've never experienced so much love ever. Right. So that's the first thing that people would experience is so much love and acceptance. But then when they come here for like a Sunday service, it's kind of like the more you get away from church, the more you get closer to church, you know, because it's like, we're the the non-church, but we look a lot like a church. If you come here on a Sunday morning, you know, our service, we start off with like a little bit of music, some announcements, and then we move into like a church service, basically, except that the message might be a little bit different, but it looks a lot like a church service. So we have lots of really good music message. Of course, I usually give the message unless we have a guest speaker on Sunday and so people, if they've been to a Christian church service, it'll probably have a flow very similar, but maybe like a different flavor, a different feel. The message, of course, would be a little bit different in terms of what we're speaking from. You might hear here, you know, we might hear us quote from the Bible. You might hear us quote from the Quran. <laughs> you might hear us quote from the Buddha. You know, you might hear something from Hinduism. Uh, you might hear something from psychology. You might hear something from philosophy. Uh, you might hear something from science because it's kind of a blend of all of that. Ernest Holmes really wanted it to basically where you wouldn't have to check your intellect at the door. You wouldn't have to check your common sense at the door, that it had to make sense. And so I literally tell people, like, don't believe a word I say. <laughs> like, these are principles. And because they're principles, that means you can apply them in your life and find out if they work or not. Like you can find out, for example, if it's true 
that it's done unto you as you believe, right? You can find out if you start to believe differently and you start to look at your life differently, you start to look at yourself differently, you can see whether that actually starts to change how things show up. Sort of like a scientific method at that point. Your hypothesis is like, well, maybe this will happen. You you test it multiple times and then see what the results are. That kind of what you're absolutely on. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So obviously you guys have your Sunday messages here and in Antelope Valley, of course, as well. Is there anything else that people can be involved with when they start checking out this congregation? Yes, we have a lot of activities and they're expanding all the time. We have a monthly vegan potluck here right now. It's on the second Thursday of every month in the evening at 6 p.m. And it's just a gathering. It's not everyone there is vegan. You know, some people are just like curious and they want to see what it's like to eat a a vegan meal. It's really good food, you know, so it's not like any kind of sacrifice. It's really good food. It just happens to be all plant-based. So that's one thing we do. Periodically, we have ecstatic dance here and ecstatic dance has been called like a moving prayer, basically. It's a way to just tune in to the body and see what information the body wants to provide. And that's in the framework that mind, body, and spirit are one. And so it's just similar to how yoga approaches the body as a way to become one and have union with the spirit. Ecstatic dance is similar. It's a very free kind of thing. And so we don't have that on any regular schedule right now, but every once in a while we announce it and it's a great way to just to be free. We have concerts here. They're on hiatus for the next two months because our main organizer for that is on tour, Marlon Mackey. But we've had some really great concerts in here over Friday. Usually on the second Friday of every month, we have concerts here. We have a really great gathering after our service every Sunday, of course, and like really good food. Actually, it's it's usually vegan friendly too. It's not all vegan, but it's vegan friendly. Like there'll be some vegan dishes. We've done yoga here. We don't have regular yoga at the moment, but there are times where we've had regular yoga. We're really looking to do more in terms of getting involved in the community, because we realize like we live in an area, our space is in an area where there's a lot of homeless that pass through here. And we realize we don't really have programs necessarily that address that. So we are looking at how do we, since we're part of this community, we've been part of this community for 75 years, how do we engage more? And of course we, you know, are harmonious, right? And we have sometimes people who are you know, homeless come to a service or come to the door. And of course, we'll give them water. If we have some food here, of course, we'll sometimes they've come into the vegan potluck. So we were friendly and harmonious, but we haven't done like specific programs yet. Well, it sounds like you do have quite a lot going on, but it's wonderful to hear that you're still looking for ways that you can expand and help the community itself. That is really wonderful. So you mentioned the space that you were in. So that brings me to my next question. Where can people find you guys? Ah, yes. Well, we're at 222 Eureka Street in Bakersfield, which feels to me like a really, of course, it's been here for forever, but just the, the, the word Eureka in our street title is really cool. And yeah, you can find us on Facebook as well. Spiritual Living 3 is our little tag on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, CSL Bakersfield on Instagram. Yeah, we do a Facebook Live every Sunday as well. So if people don't show up physically to the space at like right there live every Sunday on Facebook, we're there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Now, I have a question 
that I used to wrap up every interview that I do. It's been wonderful so far, but there was one thing that I want listeners to get out of, even if they decide not to ultimately check out this congregation. So the question that I have for you is this. If a listener could just start doing one thing, maybe mm-hmm. just a one-time thing or a habit that they should start doing, what would be that thing that you would recommend? Well, my number one favorite practice is meditation. And what's interesting to me about meditation is a lot of people would say, I've tried it. I can't do it. I sit down to meditate. I get restless. My mind is running all over the place. I can't do it. And what I would offer is that everyone can meditate. And to start out meditating, start out with any amount of time that you feel you could commit to every day. So if that's just one minute, then start off with every day you meditate for one minute. And that can look as simple as that you sit down, you allow your eyes to close, you take a couple deep breaths, and just be present. Just be fully present to that moment. And when people say, like, I can't meditate because my mind keeps racing, I say, no, your mind was already racing. When you sat down to meditate, you notice that your mind is racing. So don't let that have you think you can't meditate because as we start to meditate more and we allow that time in stillness the mind does eventually start to quiet and calm and we become more aware of what it is that's distracting us in the first place and then we start to handle that in our lives and then the next time we sit down the mind's not going there because we've hit so it's it's a circular process where the meditation affects our life and our life affects our meditation and it starts to be really beneficial. So I would offer if people could do one thing that will cause them create more peace, more joy, and really connect them to their divine source, where it's not just something out there, but where we start to really have an experience of the divine right where we are, would just be some amount of time every day, whether it's one minute, 15 minutes, or 20 minutes, some amount of time where they just sit down and be with no other intention to to accomplish anything than just to be for that time. And that will be beneficial regardless of any religious philosophy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with me today. And thank you so much for joining me again. Is there any closing remarks that you'd like to make before we sign off today? Come join us and come try us out, I would say to the listeners, because it's a a very unique experience. And especially for people who maybe don't necessarily consider themselves religious, but do feel like they're on a journey and do feel like they're on a spiritual path and want some tools and practices to help them on that journey and a group of people to be on that journey with, I invite people to come check us out. All right. Well, thank you again so much for this interview. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Ian. Thank you. So, what did you think of the interview? Do you feel like you understand the Center for Spiritual Living better? Is this a tradition that you might want to check out? Do you have some challenges from your own faith tradition? Does meditation or ecstatic dancing or maybe even a vegan potluck sound more appealing to you now? What wisdom do you think you gained from this podcast? Go ahead and leave it down below. Also, feel free to leave a tradition that you'd like to hear more about. Or, perhaps if you know someone who's a leader in a faith tradition, have them reach out. Not only would I like to thank Reverend Gregory Tool for interviewing with me, but I would also like to thank Shu Hayashardo donating the microphone that is used throughout these interview processes. Thank you so much for tuning in to Finding Faith yet again, and the next episode should be up in about two weeks. I'm Ian Alexander-Tash, and I have faith that you'll be hearing again from me real soon.